Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fam, Friends, and Magic, a Magic the Gathering podcast brought to you by Swagoy Gaming. My name is Bill Grennan. Everyone calls me Brasky, and today I'm joined by the mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, and a special guest for this week, VML Season 4 champion, Hogpog, a.k.a. Kabir Karamchandani. What is up, fam? What's up? Hey. Hey, welcome everyone. It is good to see you. Caroline, it's always it's always a pleasure recording podcasts with you. But I will say that uh, I'm going to forego the usual hey how is uh, you know, usual theatrics because we have a super awesome guest right here and I just want to say what's up to Kabir, our VML season 4 champion. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh what super awesome guest? Uh, is someone else joining us? Uh, yes, uh, eventually uh, we will be having. Let me take a look at my notes from this one. I, I thought Nick couldn't make it. Yeah, that's right. Nick Nick was the <laughs> first one, but his his representation called us and said, uh, "No, Inextrad uh, uh, could not possibly make it this week. Uh, how dare you email him so late?" I then tried getting a one Mark Rosewater. He didn't return my call, and now <laughs> we are sitting with the VML Season Four champion, who was originally our first choice. So this is great, Kabir. We're so glad you were available. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry you stuck with me instead of Nick, but uh, it'll hopefully I'll be fine. I've listened to the podcast for a while, so I'm happy to be on it. We we are happy for the the reprieve from the Nick, so don't worry. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this all day. A Nick free zone. Oh yeah. Ah, uh, see Nick's get, see all you're doing is going to give Nick ammunition for the next time they're on the podcast. Is they're they're just going to show up with just with so many witty puns and just real dry humor that's going to be aimed directly at you. So I hope you're ready to be like dodging the inextra darts like Neo in the Matrix because he's going to throw a lot of them now. If he's ever back on the podcast, maybe this Mark Rosewater true. gets back to us. It's true. Yeah. You know, if Mark does get back to us, then I think we'll bring both Mark and Kabir on and it'll be a fantastic time. Yeah. Heck, I might as well just bounce out of that thing. <laughs> but I am bouncing at the walls, hoping that I can know how my co-host weeks in magic has been. And that's what we always like to start off this podcast was how was our week in magic? Caroline, how was your week in magic? My week was good, but I will say that my week was likely better than that transition because it was not your, brave, your best work. It wasn't my best work, but we got there. Your face was so stoic when you said it. <laughs> I didn't even, you got you to gotta lean into it, buddy. I'm sorry. I, just, I had to call you out. I'm sorry. You're really great at it. But that one, I'm looking at you just sitting here just being like, yeah, I'm bouncing at the walls. <laughs> like, just not. It was great. I loved it. You're great. Sorry for the call out. <laughs> Okay, anyway, so my weekend magic. <laughs> See, that's what happens when I just leave you hanging. Yeah, I get, my, I get myself there. Don't worry. I don't need your bus. Sit on your own petard there. Yes, how was your weekend I don't weekend need you magic? to drive me. I carpool. Okay. Hey, you got to drive the bus called this podcast. <laughs> um, so I actually did participate in this Magic the Gathering people speak of uh, this weekend. Um, this weekend was... Saturday had the NRG Modern uh, Tournament, and then Sunday had a super, I think it was a super PTQ that was modern as well. Uh, and I've noticed that I do much better when I can focus on one format, and so I picked modern for this weekend. Um, you know, I had a, a many options of decks to play, and I considered all of them equally. And so I played Tron. <laughs> what? No. I know. You would, you would never. Me, I had spreadsheets and like yarn and no. Okay. So I played Tron. I was very excited. I've heard a rumor that Tron is back, baby. 
like it's doing things and people are still upset about it. It's great. <laughs> um, I sun Saturday, I think went medium. I think it was like three bust or something. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Both weekends were bust, but I will say that I definitely won a lot of games on like because of the stupid like Tron draws the right card thing and it felt so good. Like I really missed that feeling. It just doesn't happen in like a black red Thoughtsies deck, you know? You just kind of grind your way through those matchups. This one you're just like, wow, if I draw a tower, I can cast Ulamog and win. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Tower. <laughs> that was so nice of you. Um so I, I was back on my my bullshit as I called it. So you can mute that out if you want. But um I, I did have some I, I had some fun times. I I, as much as I make fun of all the, the lucky like draws and stuff, I really like playing Tron. And um, I also sort of like that people don't like playing against Tron. <laughs> so it's like kind of a good good mix for me. I don't know. Um, I had some good conversations. I, I, I legitimately had good conversations. I, I'm sure I, I know of at least one person that was upset and, and salted out because I beat them on a mold of four in game three. And they were streaming. So I, I know that their reactions were not fantastic. Uh, but I did visit their stream and say hi after, and it was fine. It, ultimately, it's not fun to lose to a multi four. That was like Tron Piece, Tron Piece map, Karn the Great Creator. Like, just not very fun. So, But I enjoyed myself. It's not fun for them, but I enjoyed myself. So. Kabir, I, I need to know uh, from this this uh, pontification that Caroline has provided us, uh, dirty Tron players. Uh, in the, in the realm of like things you don't want to play against, where do you rank dirty Tron players? That's a big question right now. Wonderful Tron players. Thank you. Very uh, much. Tron is fine. Like all modern decks are kind of the same. They're all kind of like that. You know, sometimes they just don't let you play magic. <laughs> is that, is that what modern is in the most part as a, as a, as a lay person to that type of format? Is it really just, I'm getting salty because my broken deck didn't get to beat the other broken deck. Like they got to do the broken yeah. stuff first. Yes, like there are so many decks that just draw the like if you draw the walking ballista when you've had Heliod in play for a while, you're just gonna win because it's a combo. Or if you, you know, you cocoa into the perfect combination, like there's just so many decks that have this one card that that wins. I don't really know why Tron like gets all the hate rubs. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I will say, but we draw cards Caroline. one at a time, like everybody else. Okay. You know, that's I, I understand that. You know, the pants analogy is great uh, for that, even though it's not a pants deck. I, I do think that there is something to it that if I was ever going to dip my toe into the modern format, you'd probably be the first person I'd come to because it, there is something about just you, it, it, it's almost like Captain Planet the deck, you know, with these lands combined, I can make seven mana. <laughs> and then, you you know, and then your Captain Planet is Karn. That's basically what it is. I will say I got eliminated uh, late in the like later in the day on Sunday to the mirror, so I did live by the Tron and die by the Tron. When you said the mirror, I thought you just said mirror, and I'm like, wait, there's a mirror deck too. Yeah, Brass is like, wait, I'm changing my mind. Hold on, <laughs> tell me all about it. <laughs> this meta is always changing. Jeez, there's too much to there's too much to dig into about modern. So I'm not gonna we're not gonna have a deep dive on that format today. But what we are going to dive into is how Kabir's week in Magic went. Kabir, how was your week? Oh, I played more magic in a week than I have in more time I, than I can remember because I was just jesting for the Caldam Championship all week. So, so just some light magic playing is is kind of what you're saying. How many games a day do you think that you got in? Uh, probably not more than ten most days. 
not more than 10. So what, like if, if you are, and we'll kind of dig into this, I think a little bit later on in the podcast, but when like, was a lot of the, was a lot of your time this past week in terms of magic, was it a lot of theory crafting, a lot of discussing decks and matchups and then playing? Like how was, how did that week kind of reflect what your usual week would be? Um, it, it really varied because definitely in some cases there was theory crafting before playing and like discussion of what a matchup should feel like. And then sometimes uh, we started talk, I started talking about like decks and matchups with people and realized none of us had either clue, neither of us had any clue what we were talking about. So we decided it was probably better just to play the matches. Indeed. Indeed. And of course, uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, which of course I'm not, but at the end of any of that discussion, you did realize that the best type of deck to play was Grixis, correct? We did play blue, black, and red across <gasps> our decks, across formats. Oh, and it worked swimmingly, right? It's it's the it's the meta breaker, correct? Don't crush I my dreams. I suppose we'll find out. Oh, jeez. Oh, you know what? I appreciate that. Leave him with a cliffhanger for the end of the podcast. That that is the way to go. See, Kabir's already a natural with this podcasting thing. I love it. What else do I love is talking about how my weekend magic was, which really wasn't all that much. I actually took a little bit of a staycation, disconnected from the internet over the course of the past weekend. But I did spend uh, a little bit of yesterday coming back and you know, got a game of Commander in, bought myself a little, uh, bought myself a couple packs of Time Spiral Remaster just to get that uh, that pack opening fix in there and got a couple of fun cards. I got a foil damnation and an old bordered Yawgmoth, which is really cool and going, Oh, this is really cool. What do I, what do I do with this? And now I'm kind of like realizing, Oh, I can do so much with these two cards. So I'm going to explore that Avenue as well. But that's, that was what I did. I kind of chilled out from the game, which as we have discussed previously was sometimes you just need to disconnect from the game a little bit uh, in order to kind of reinvigorate how you want to, how you want to play the game. And so we also know that, you know, folks that listen to this podcast, they like to play the game. They like to play the game their way, and they like to enjoy the competitive aspect on their own time in their own specific way, which is why we always love to run down the upcoming events in the world of Magic the Gathering, which for that, we're going to go over to Caroline Cavanaugh. Cool. Who's that? Oh, that, that's me. That would be you, yes. Cool, cool, cool. So um, there's not anything at all important going on this weekend. Don't turn on Twitch. Don't go to twitch.tv slash magic um, because you will, no, I'm just kidding. You will definitely see the coverage for this. I was going to call it a PT and I was like, crap, I couldn't remember the real name. Uh, Caldheim Championship, there we go, I got there, uh, is happening this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, and spoilers, we have someone here on this podcast that's participating in that tournament. So please check that out. It'll be super great. Um, and then in terms of events that we can, the, the regular folks can play in, um, we have a couple. We have a, a SCG tournament is back in business uh, this weekend. It'll be standard. Um, so all the similar things that you already know about that tournament um, are happening over there. On Saturday, you have an option to play in the MTG Historic subreddit, uh, number four hi historic tournament that's happening Saturday at 10 a.m. And then uh, I have to say Melee was a little light on events. That's sort of all that I came out with. But in terms of Moto, we have two regular PTQs. Uh, neither of them are super, at least not from what I could tell, uh, which does mean that you would need 40 QPs to play. Uh, there's 7 a.m. Pacific Saturday is limited, and 7 a.m. Pacific Sunday is standard. Both of those qualify for the Strixhaven Championship. So um, I have not figured out what I'm doing this weekend, but this at least 
helps me figure it out, which is nice. It's always, I mean, that's, that's usually the, the nice thing to have though. And that's why I love this part. This little section of the podcast is getting that rundown of like, you know, the weekend hits and you're not exactly sure what you want to do, what you want to play. And to kind of just look and say, Ooh, this looks fun. And then just jump right in. Sometimes that's the best way to go about it. You know, you can either, you can do that if you just want to be playing a competitive, you know, playing some type of competitive event, even if you don't have a lot of prep to it. And then on the alternative side, you might have, you know, one of the bigger events in the year of magic and spend an entire week preparing for it. So obviously, Caroline, I want to know about your week long preparation for the uh, the MTG historic Caldheim tournament number four uh, is what <laughs> I'm asking on that one. Is that's kind of uh, that, that's, oh, that's going to be in depth. It's actually quite simple. It's going to register whatever Kabir registered. <laughs> Fabulous, because Kabir, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this one. You're participating in a little thing called the Caldheim Championship. Is that not correct? Yep. 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 Just a few things to go along with the Caldheim Championship, which of course, as Caroline mentioned, is going to be this weekend. It's going to be a little bit of historic, a little bit of standard, a lot of fun in the same in the same vein. And of course, Kabir got there by winning season four of the VML League. And so Kabir, th- that's kind of what we want to talk about is kind of your experience in the VML League and and getting through that and winning that, and as well as a little bit of your preparation going into the Caldheim Championship. So it's, I guess to start off with, talk a little bit about how season four of the VML League uh, went for you and, and what it was like to get to that, that championship and end up actually winning it. Uh, well, the season itself of VML was like a lot of fun because I got to meet cool people and test with them. Mostly I got into VML to meet other women and non-binary folk in magic because i it's hard there's a pandemic going on and meeting other people through magic is hard so i got into vml for that and i got to test with a lot of cool people through the league and that was really fun and yeah i don't know i just selected what i thought was the best deck for each week and then i made i think a terrible deck decision for for top eight but i managed to get lucky and win anyway and yeah, w- winning the league itself was like, it was not what I was looking for coming in. I, I didn't come in looking to qualify for the Caldham Championship, but like after I won this league, there was like this enormous outpouring of support from like the uh, from like the women, queer and trans folk communities in Magic. And really these were communities I'd like never really been able to connect with before because I hadn't ever been able to go to paper events or GPs for a while and i got like there was this huge outpouring of support from these communities and it was it was really fantastic it made me feel accepted and connected in a way that few things magic otherwise have yeah caroline you know as a as a past several time champion of the vml league because i need to make sure to to put that flex in there for you so you didn't have to Uh, i i that's the one thing that stands out from whenever i hear folks talk about the vml league is like yeah competing in magic was fun but the gas, like finding a way to connect with the gathering part of it is kind of what makes the VML special. And that's kind of, that's what sets it apart in a lot of different ways is that you get to see really good magic played, but you also get to see this really supportive community that goes along with it. Oh yeah. It's by far, like that's been my motivation to play magic this whole time. Um, like since I discovered what a Grand Prix was and I was like, wait, there's people that I can speak to that I'm not completely like, I have nothing in common with. I actually have lots of things in common with these people. I get this. Um, and then obviously the pandemic, uh, 
interesting fact. <laughs> Did you know that all seasons of the VML, except for season four, has take took place in 2020, <laughs> which some people don't know, <laughs> including myself. <laughs> um, and so I realized that one of the coolest things about the VML, not just introducing um, other you know me members of marginalized genders to each other, but it also became this huge part of my personal um, like pandemic routine. Um, you know, it was something every Sunday I had to do or uh, messaging people once a week to play, uh, watching coverage on Friday. Like it just became this thing that I could rely on um, to kind of keep me <laughs> interacting with people, even maybe when times that I do or times that I don't want to. Um, and I think that that's been a huge part. So that gathering is all related to um, that this pretty awesome tournament structure. Yeah. And it's great to see like Kabir, you know, take the victory in season four and now get ready for the call time championship, which, you know, if it wasn't for making the best of some unfortunate circumstances, you know, being stuck at home all the time and putting these things together, you know, Kabir without, without that kind of Avenue, like how connected are you to the game of magic, the gathering, if you didn't have this kind of way to compete in the game in a, in the way that like that spoke to you. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I mostly think of myself as like a retired attempting to play magic pro because I haven't really tried to make it onto the PT for a while other than the VML. And then VML really just got me back into it and made me more connected to it even externally. So I played another PDQ last weekend and I qualified for the next PD as well. No. All and because that's... VML got me into this. Yeah, and that's kind of what we connect with uh, on this podcast. And I think it's one of the through lines that that our listeners always, uh, I think, know about us as well. It's like it's all about engaging with the competitive side of the game in the way that you want to, in the way that you want to hit beyond something like maybe you want to grind ladder. I don't know who you are that wants to do that, but maybe you do. And if you do, thumbs up. Maybe you want to find events every weekend. That's awesome. Maybe you like to grind qualifiers almost on a daily basis. Great. Do that as well. Whichever way you like to connect with the competitive side of the game is something that we want to you know, support and we think people should embrace and find what it is that they like to do when they want to compete. And now you get to compete in the Kaldheim Championship, which is a really unique event this weekend and the fact that it's you know it's a two-day two-day event and it's gonna be a mixture of standard and historic and there's unique pieces to the format with it like day you would think that it's like okay so one day is going to be standard and one day is going to be historic but that's actually not the case like day one is seven rounds of swiss the first three are standard and then four through seven are historic and then day two is eight rounds of swiss then that starts standard and then goes to historic so you kind of have to shift formats in the middle of, of each of these days. And so that's, that, that probably throws a lot of interesting pieces in terms of how you prep and how you get ready to kind of, you know, kind of flip the switch in your mind about the decks you're playing, the meta you're going into. So why don't you talk, tell us a little bit about how you approached getting ready for the Kaldheim championship. And then as well, like what were some things that were there some hurdles that you had to overcome or what were some things that you didn't know? And how did you get to the place of where you are now? Oh, so I tested for the event with Autumn Birchett and Team Swagai. And really, most of what we did just starting out was just playing as many games as we could uh, with as many different decks as we could that we thought were good. And I suppose the biggest hurdle I overcame was s saying goodbye to the decks I really wanted to play because they seemed so cool. So I tried to play... Uh, an inspired, inspiring statuary paradox, paradoxical outcome deck when Historic Anthology released. And that 
it had difficulty winning a match against Sparky, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. And uh, I, I loved the Angels deck. I felt like we had this really good build we were working on. And then I eventually I realized that it, like everything else, just loses to John Food. So we should just play John Food. So it was this interesting progression of like trying to figure out like what was the what was best in this nuanced meta before realizing it wasn't actually a nuanced meta. There was one deck that beat everything. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense in terms of like especially that that historic meta as well as and how even the standard meta shakes out. But I appreciate as well because that's my that's my sensibility. It's like I really wanted to make this deck work, and then I you paused enough that I thought that was your end of sentence. That it was like, well, we had difficult. It had difficulty winning a game. Period. And then you said, and and I was like, oh, that's bad. And then you said against Sparky. I'm like, well, that's even worse. Like, I appreciate the attempts, but man. Brasky, I, I have an odd truth truth bomb. Throw it question. at me. Drop it. It's a question for you to give us the truth. Sorry. Please. Not please. a job truth bomb. Um, how many times have you played decks that you have built against Sparky? How many times have I played against Sparky with a deck that I've built? Yeah. Is kind of what you're asking. Um, I, will, I will state it is a non-zero amount. But how many is- times have you won? <laughs> I okay. I would say that my winning percentage is a solid sixty percent against right? Sparky, <laughs> which in Magic Pro terms is like I'm ready for the Hall of Fame, right? <laughs> so I mean, color me impressed that yes, maybe maybe uh, I am ready to kind of compete at the same level as Kabir. That was my interpretation from it. Yeah, some others, that's, yeah. the listeners probably heard too. So exactly, some others Sign would you say up for the PT. Exactly, some others would say that I would commit uh, more rules and fractions than a, than any human being in history, and would probably just get axed right out of the tournament immediately if this was in paper. But now you've kind of Kabir, going back to not the ridiculousness of uh, my you know my own playtesting against Sparky in a non competitive format. When you are kind of looking at each of these different formats, let's kind of break them down uh, like one one to the other. So let's start with with standard. Uh, when it came to the deck that you wanted to play in standard, uh, what what was something that you thought might have been uh, the deck to go with? And as you continued testing with Team Swigolian with Autumn, uh, what were the things that came up between folks as you played those different games? And what is it that you settled on and why? So, yeah, a deck I wanted to play, I started off with was a version of the Naya deck I won the VML with. The, this was Reed Duke's Great Henge Naya Adventures list. And I wanted to just like put Questing Beast in the deck and Embercleaves in the sideboard so that it was basically the same deck, but beat cycling. And it turned out it just lost to everything. So that was that was not great. Well, it, de- it beat the deck's Great Henge beat anyway, but it certainly wasn't shoring up any of the weaknesses. And then uh, I played a bunch of matches against Autumn with a lot of different decks, and it didn't really matter what I was playing. She would seem to beat me anyway because she's that much better. And uh, then she suggested that Rogues might be good, and that see, I seem to agree with her. So we ended up in Rogues. I contemplated splashing red in Rogues just for you, but I, I couldn't bring myself to make it Grixis. The mana was just too bad, and the deck was suffered too much for it. I that would might have... be the nicest thing anyone's ever said to Brasky. <laughs> it's true. My heart just fluttered for for a brief moment there. If you if you had done that, the only thing I could ever imagine is someone just being like, "Well, I won with I won with Brasky Rogues," and I'd be like, "I please, please, I'm going to step away right now. I will now like I will name my firstborn child after you. Like all of that thing, all of those things come up if you if you win with a Grixis deck. You were so close, Kabir. You were so close." 
You bring up a great point, though, is that, you know, you're testing with Team Sugoi, who are all outstanding Magic players. Then you're also testing with Autumn Burchett, and they are really, really good at the game of Magic. And I've always wondered about this because whenever, like, whenever I'm available and hanging around, someone's like, does anyone want to test? And no one's like, maybe no one's around. It's like a weird hour of night. I always want to be like, hey, I could come help you test, but there's a, there's a distinct drop off in skill level if you want to test with me. And then you're testing now with Autumn, with Autumn Burchett. And as you mentioned, like, you're losing games sometimes just because they are so freaking good at the game of magic. How do you, like, is it, do you discuss with Autumn after the matches? How do you kind of delineate, oh, I'm losing these matches because the deck's bad, or I'm losing these matches because I'm playing against a really skilled pro player? It, it, we definitely would discuss after and during every match, and that certainly helped figuring out why I lost games and whether it was because of like bad draws or more likely Autumn outplaying me, or whether it was because the deck was genuinely unfavored. And that was like one of the reasons we knew Junk Food was so good and historic, is I kept beating Autumn with it, and if I could beat Autumn with it, then must be just tremendously favored. That is actually a great point to make. It's like if I continuously beat someone who I consider like a, a, at a better skill level than me, or at least, you know, of that upper echelon, uh, even if that skill level difference is kind of razor thin between like the average magic player and a really good magic player and a pro player, it's that that can also like tip you off in terms of like the deck that you want to play, which brings us to historic. Like you're going to go with the, with the food deck there, but I will stay at the same, at the same time. Was there, was there times in which you thought about not bringing it? And if you bring it this weekend, is there decks or matchups that might give you trouble? So here's the thing about food, and that thing is that it like, beats every deck. Or at least we're confident it beats every deck. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people in testing came close to being thrown off by the fact that the collected company versions had been better in the past, and those folded to hate, so it was possible to sometimes lose while playing those decks. But something we realized about food a few days into testing it was it's there's not actually bad matchups for the deck. Like... Uh, if I can go on a bit of a tangent here, talking about a really cool interaction that the deck has. Uh, an interaction we discovered a few days into testing it was, uh, I believe Eric from the Swagai team suggested bi uh, Binding of the Old Gods. So we put that into our deck, and it's good, And there's a couple of copies in the main deck, and it's good because it kills Yashan, which is a problem for the Sacrifice deck. But the thing about Binding of the Old Gods is that it kills Yashan twice. So it enters play, and it destroys an online permanent, it kills Yashan. And then the turn after that, you play a Mayhem Devil, and they play another Yashan, they have another Yashan in play, and then on your draw step, on your, on your main phase in the next turn, the Binding of the Old Gods gives all your stuff Death Touch, including the Mayhem Devil, and then sacrifices itself through Yashan, because it's not paying a cost. And then your Mayhem Devil with Death Touch gets a trigger and kills a Yashan again. That, that is one of those interactions that I hope I get to see, specifically so the coverage team can explain it. <laughs> like that's kind of where I'm at. Which, speaking of, on the coverage team, uh, you know, our, our very own Hayu Yu is going to be a part of the coverage team for that as well. Uh, I, that, it's that's one of those things where it's like you explain that, and I go, okay, one more time. And I was like sitting there, I'm like, I want to see that interaction play out, and I'm really looking forward to seeing. It's really cool how you kind of discover those things that that are unique parts of a deck or unique adjustments that you might make that you get with playtesting, and that's kind of the cool thing that. 
that I've enjoyed at least seeing, like even from a, a, a cursory view of the Discord of Team Sugoi, is seeing the different players and seeing different people discuss the decks and have that kind of it has it has helped me discover what playtesting is actually about, as opposed to just simply jamming games and playing matchups and saying this is good and this is bad. Caroline, when you look at at some of the things that that Kabir talks about as well. You know, whether it was your time doing, you know, winning so many championships in VML or the different ways in which you approach, like the ways you like playing in competitive magic. Um, how nice is it sometimes to have that kind of supportive group, even if even if you're going against their recommendations, to still have a supportive group of people to help you prepare for uh, prepare for like really any competitive event that you're going to jump into? Oh, I think it's super good. I know that um, what one thing that. I've heard Kabir say, and I know other people have these feelings too, is it's kind of hard to test with people that aren't competing in the same event as you, because sometimes the motivation and determination levels are just different. Like I'm just not as determined to figure out the best deck in historic at the moment. You know, I'm on my Tron life over here. Um, but what I hope that a, a team like Sogoy offers is just uh, either a sounding board or just this community and and gathering to kind of spur up these conversations and and have someone just randomly who hasn't played standard in six months go hey what about binding of the old gods <laughs> um or historic in six months like have that environment where they there's a, you know a comfortable place to hang out and be doing all these testing and then have cool personalities like me show up and be really distracting for 20 minutes so that the other two hours you're not distracted <laughs> that's what i assume is best oh yeah i mean that's where i figured my role would come into as well is i'm going to jump in discord for a little bit and just kind of like you know you just kind of take the level let's bring the levity up a little bit so you can go back to like intensive testing at the same point and that's that's kind of part of it as well kabir is like how much of this how much of this testing process and prepping how stressful was it but at the same time like was there pieces of having this kind of testing group help you just kind of alleviate some of the big stresses of preparing for an event like the Kaldheim Championship? Uh, for the most part, it really wasn't all that stressful because I enjoy playing Magic. I enjoy playing Magic a little bit, but I really enjoy hanging out with people. So having a testing group to do that with rather than testing on my own made it much more enjoyable, much less stressful for me, for sure. Wow. Yes, I did something. <laughs> Congratulations. Way to go, Caroline. And now you have, you know, the big event coming up and, you know, we talked a little bit about the decks that you're going to, you're going to roll with on this one, but also, you know, playing, uh, you know, testing with autumn and now, you know, uh, going into this type of event, I, uh, you know, did, did you, did each of you bring the same decks? Is there any differences you have between the decks? Like what, what was it that you kind of settled on and things that you might've differed from some of your, your, your play testing members? So autumn and me have almost exactly the same decks across the two formats, over the two 75 card lists, we have 149 cards in common. It's just like one number that's off in the sideboard of the Rogues deck, based on Autumn being a little more concerned about the Falkale Yorion decks and me being a little more concerned about uh, Graveyard Hate for Rogues. But we ended up on a very different... I think we ended up on very different lists from Nick, who is a member of Team Sugai, who's at the event. And I think... We we all generally agreed that like Jund was the best deck in historic. I think Nick just had like a slightly different list that he'd got from testing with other folks. But in terms of standard, Nick went with Naya tokens, and 
it makes a lot of sense because he spoke to his standard being a format in which like most decks are general most established decks are pretty good so it's a lot about playing what you're comfortable with and so nick was more comfortable with that so that's why he went with that yeah, yeah. I, I think as well when you look at some of the pieces there you've talked about just like in historic the prevalence of the food deck and how good it is how consistent it is the power level of it as well and that lets you that that lets me into the question that I see with a lot of these types of, as Caroline says, quote unquote, PTs, like, let's just call it what it is, right? Like, let's, we're going to call this a PT. But a lot of times in these types of competitive environments, um, obviously, you need to have skill. You need to make a, a good meta call. You need a little bit of luck. And, and you, you know, you need to just be prepared as well to, to play as best as you possibly can. But sometimes each competitive event, some things range a little bit higher of others in terms of what mattered most. And so in your in your estimation with this one, is this weekend going to be one where making the right meta call is the most important? Is it really about being on top of your game in terms of skill that's the most important? Or is it one of those things where everything is just kind of a little bit even that you just need to fall into the right matchups and draw the right cards? Uh it's interesting because it's two formats, right? Standard and historic, like you touched on. And I think standard is very much right now in a position of like skill and being comfortable and like being good playing the deck you're playing. And there's also the element of switching between the two formats, which really rewards you being comfortable with both your decks. Because if you have, if you have like super tunnel vision on a mode of play to play a certain deck and they have to switch formats, that can definitely cost. Uh, in terms of historic, though. If you didn't bring junk food for this weekend, you're just going to do so much worse, I think, because that deck's just that much above the field. Within junk food players, it'll come down to... It'll end up being very skill testing, as I suspect. Or is it going to come down to that that third copy of Negate? That's the big question. Which, if it is, we might, we might bring you back and be like, listen, I should have played the third copy of Negate. We're going to talk for 40 minutes about just specifically your sideboards, and that's it. Like, it's all we're going to do. I didn't realize you were talking about rogues, and I was like, Rasky, there's no negate in the Chun food deck. No, no, no. <laughs> but no, I understood. No. Thank I you. Followed. I followed. I'm glad you followed that ref. I'm glad you followed where I was going with that ridiculousness. You always follow my ridiculousness, Caroline, which is why I I'll do. play test with you anytime. You'll probably do worse play testing with me, but you could always play test with me. That's the key. Because I'm always going to sit there and be like, well, this is great, but what if you maybe put some blue or black or red in there? Like, that's that might work with the deck too. Like that's the key. Caroline, if you are looking at uh, what's going to be come, coming up this weekend with uh, historic and standard, that kind of split format piece as well. The fact that you're just kind of, hey, guess what? You're changing formats completely. Have you competed in something that just up and changes formats like mid-Swiss rounds? And would that throw you with a loop? I'm someone that like, if I, I just give me one deck to focus on, the fact that you got got to do this multi-format thing in the middle of in the middle of Swiss rounds is just kind of is kind of blowing my mind a little bit. Have you competed in something that does a similar nature? And if if so, even if you haven't, uh, what would that do to you uh, as as the the consummate Tron player that might have to then switch up and not play Tron? I can't tell if you were just setting me up as a joke or not. I played no. in the Zendikar Rising Champ, which is the same format. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's why I was like very confused. Um, yeah, I have to say it is not a common structure for run-of-the-mill weekend tournaments. Um, I know that mainstays like SCG used to run um, these things called invitationals, and they were multi-formats in paper, uh, which I can imagine, like, just the logistics of being prepared for two paper formats seems awful. 
Like, I absolutely hate preparing my decks for an event and then have to be like, okay, well, I I want my force and both of these are like, both these, these decks have scavenging use or whatever. And just remembering to like switch them back, like that all sounds awful. But at least on a on arena, you know, you can have both your decks loaded, which is nice. Um, I I am definitely a person that benefits from repetitive things, like um, playing the same format over and over again. So a multi format uh, tournament is significantly harder for me, for sure. I tend to spend the majority of time focusing on the first round, whatever that format is, and not the second one. Though in this particular, in the in the the PT equivalent events, both like when I practice for mine and it sounds like from where Kabir and Autumn headed out to was really just focusing on historic. Um, it's, it's not the more, more, most common played format. So it sort of makes sense that that would be the one that people wouldn't have conclusions about. And in this particular historic, they had just added new cards. Um, in general, there was lack of, con there was concern that those cards weren't going to have an Im impact, but unfortunately you still have to try them. You have to build your, your cool combo deck that can't beat Sparky at least once. Um, and so for like, I can kind of see myself like focusing all in one format and then getting to the, the submission day and be like, oh, standard, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of like balancing homework. Like you, you do a ton of effort on that first assignment and the next assignment's due in 20 minutes. You're like, well, this looks good. I'll just borrow this. <laughs> so um, that that's definitely my style. I will say that if people are ever looking for multi-format, um, I have seen them around the internet. There's, you know, they're not just related to the, the high level premier play tournaments like the PTs. Um, there are, uh, I saw NRG did a multi-format uh, event in December between modern and legacy. It's kind of those are some some two formats that kind of lend themselves well to be multi-format together. Um, and as I said, SCG I know has done them in the past in paper. I don't know if they've considered doing them in um, in arena life, but yeah, I would recommend trying one. But is they're tough. They're a whole different breed for sure. Nice. Kabir, anything like when, as we kind of wrap up the discussion here, is there anything else you wanted to mention about just going into uh, this championship and uh, you know, your thoughts and feelings and, and, you know, other wishes that you have going into the upcoming event? Um, well, I hope I do well, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, like with Caroline, this multi-format thing is not something I've played much. Even the Pro Tours of old used to not have this, right? They used to have three rounds of limited at the start of both days, but they didn't have multiple constructed formats. There wasn't the whole issue of like playing two different decks and learning two different decks. So even with the people I've tested with, the experience has been pretty novel to them as well. So it's, I hope our approach to testing ends up working out for us. Me too. I think there's a lot of people that'll be that'll be rooting for you and and rooting for Nick and Autumn and, and there's a whole lot to look forward to with the Callheim Championship that's going to be going on that I know we'll all be tuning in for and kind of you know waiting to see like how you do and no matter you know win lose suspiciously draw it's going to be uh, a really really cool event to see uh, to see you compete at it and to see how everything turns out. I have a really important question, and I can't believe it's taken us 38 minutes and 59 seconds to come up with this question. My goodness, please ask the question. What the heck emoji rhymes with hogpog? With hogpog? Oh, that's right. Spam this. Yeah, we need spam this something. Is there, well, there's got to be in standard emojis. I'm pretty sure there's a log, right? So we can spam this log to 
to root for nice. Hogpog. Okay, so so like that's that the floor. What's the I, ceiling? The ceiling is going to be the ceiling is going to be tough. I now need to like dig into my emoji game to see what I can find. Well, with this. we this can might, we can challenge the listeners. Yeah, I was going to say this might be a question for the listeners. They might have to tweet at us at Swagoy Gaming S W A G O I Gaming about which emoji, like what is the phrase we need to spam in Twitch chat in support of Hogpog. We need to know this. I'm going to level your tweeting and say that because this podcast is coming out Friday, they just need to go into Twitch chat and just spam it. It's true. <laughs> they, it's true. You don't need to. There's no approval process for this one. Just go. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I don't think actually so. Because that would be bad. <laughs> Kabir, if there was an emoji that encompassed, that encompassed you uh, that you would want to see spammed in Twitch, what would that be? Or a Twitch emote as well. Like if, if there's like sort of like the Carol Burnett, like tug of the ear, we know this this. Twitch emote is for Hogpog. What would it be? I have no clue. I know very little about both emojis and Twitch emotes. I assume there's probably a dog, though. So I feel like that's where a lot of people will go. Great. So let's put it all together. If we can find a clueless uh, dog, because if we're clueless familiar. about Twitch emotes, we'd be good. <laughs> I was gonna, Okay. Well, I was going to go down a different rabbit hole. I was like, how familiar are you with the the face of pog because there's a good dog uh, like style like big, big whatever yeah see i was gonna see frank the franker z emote just looks like a clueless dog so you could say spam this clueless dog to root for hog pog like that's okay. where that's where i'm at right now there's a ceiling there we go um i will say kabir i happen to know that you are venturing into the world of twitch as a streamer and i can tell you that you may not want to know that much about emotes, but you will soon know that much about emotes. It is pumped into you. Chat does it. You end up doing it. You may or may not accidentally do it at a work meeting by yelling pog. You know, things happen. We don't want to talk about it. <laughs> perhaps, um, perhaps some of your coworkers ask why you spell LOL wrong by spelling it L-U-L and you say, don't worry about it. Like that was a oh thing my God, too. I... Wait, oh my God, this has never occurred to me. I definitely write LUL all the time. Did yep. not normal people do that? No, everyone's like, are you misspelling LOL on purpose? And I was like, yes. Get the, it's, what the kid, it's what all the cool kids are doing these days. I don't know. I'm, I, I, can't, I can't justify that. I will either. say, I, a super off topic, I tried doing a skull the other day instead of the laughing emoji because that's what I was told I was supposed to do. And everyone just thought like terrible things that happened. Yep. I, it's well, not going to work. it was. Yes. <laughs> I tried. That's what I was told to do. Was if I wanted to use the LOL emoji, I did the I did the skull, and then I did the skull, and the conversation stopped. And I was like, "Oh, this didn't work." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm dead at just that discussion, uh, in the good sense, in the okay, way the kids talk. Are you okay? Yeah. You're, oh, okay. No, D E D dead. Yeah, okay, D E D dead. But as much yeah. as I am also sus, and perhaps also <laughs> with it, I don't know. I, I'm not with it anymore. Whatever cap? that it. No cap. No, no cap. <laughs> Cap, no cap. Oh, that's one. Do you know cap emote? <laughs> oh, this is great. I'll just do some tutoring sessions with Kabir on Twitch emotes. <laughs> Listen, you can play test on Twitch emotes later. All right. We have to end the podcast. And knowing that Kabir is now going to be, we do, we do. It's about time. We've had great discussion on the call time championships. We now know uh, the decks to play and what to look out for. But we also need to know what is the one thing we're doing to get better at Magic the Gathering this week? And where can people find us doing it? So let us start with our guest host for this week, Kabir Karam Jandani. Where can people find... What's the one thing you're going to do to get better at the game of Magic? And where can people find you doing it? Well, I'm, the one thing I'm going to be doing... for I suppose the week after this podcast comes out, I will not be testing for the 
championship because it will have already happened. So then the one thing I'll be doing is just playing Magic on stream because I always do that to get less horrendous at Magic. I do that m Monday through Friday, Eastern mornings, twitch.tv, hogbug underscore 98. And I'm also on Twitter at hogbug underscore 98. Awesome. Caroline, how about you? Uh, so this weekend, I really, 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 really need to play the SCG, and I need to go 500 better because I am not qualified for the April MIQ or the March ladder, whatever, and there's not a chance that you'll find me on the ladder this weekend, so it's it's SCG or bust time. This will be my first miss since, like, probably August, so I really got to get, get on it. I got a lot of pressure. Um, and then... That's probably, I mean, that's like a Friday or end or Saturday thing plus Sunday. So that is probably my whole weekend. Of course, I'll be watching Hayu cast the PT at twitch.tv slash magic and Kabir play and Autumn play and Nick play and everyone else that we tested with. And our my friend Monty's also on coverage. So um, I will be doing all that, spamming all the clueless dogs and anything else I can come up with. Um, and if you want to find me doing things, you can find me on Twitter at Mighty Linguini, M-I-G-H-T-Y-L-I-N-G-U-I-N-E. You can find me on Instagram at The Mighty Linguini, and you can find me on twitch.tv slash The Mighty Linguini. I stream on Wednesdays and Saturdays. I always have magic guests, but we don't always play magic. I will say that if, if you have any interest in silly drawings that are inside jokes that you will mostly get if you watch our stream all the time you should come hang out because we've discovered a new game that we are in love with called gartic phone um we also have been playing among us consistently because this is not among us podcast but i'm going to announce it anyway um the new map is finally coming out on exactly what i believe would be the last date possible to be early 2021 which is march 31st 2021 <laughs> um which is next wednesday so i'm very excited i plan to do an among us game that Wednesday, because um, we have been patiently, patiently playing uh, every week with the same people and waiting, waiting, waiting. So I'm very excited. Awesome. That sounds fantastic. Keep an eye out for Caroline's upcoming Among Us podcast uh, called Totally Sus. That's what I'm calling it right now. I don't know who's oh, on it, but I've already... Yep, nope, already named it for you. Yep. <laughs> Friends and Among Us. <laughs> Friends and Among Us. Fafals. Haas. Friends and Among Us, Haas. It's you have to make sure all the A's go out there. Like you have to say it like you're like say it like you're about to sneeze when you hit the A. Just like the Haas. Haas. Like that's I can what hear it, it in my head, but I can't. Yeah, say there it. you go. There you go. And of course, if you enjoy this podcast and you want to let us know uh, anything and everything about it, you can always leave us a review on any podcast uh, you know listening device that you use, whether that be uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or otherwise. You can leave us some stars and review if you want to write some kind words. That would be awesome as well. Even if they're kind of mean, like we understand good criticism is also how we work. Just don't be too mean with it. Like if you say that Grixis is a terrible archetype and you should never play it, then then you'll be hearing from my people, which... Brasky, did we get a terrible review saying that Grixis was bad? Shut up. We're going to be fine. Don't <laughs> worry about it. But if you'd like to leave us a review, we, of course, would always appreciate it. You can find out more about the the Swagoy team at swagoy.com, S-W-A-G-O-I.com. And, of course, follow us on Twitter for updates of when new fam episodes come out and to learn all about uh, the goings-on of all of our competitive teams, from Hearthstone to Magic the Gathering to Valorant and more. And, of course, if you want to find out what I'm doing on my range of things, you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Brasky1142. And we always want to know what you're going to be up to. So make sure to tweet at us, leave us those reviews, and make sure to listen in next time when we talk about more Magic the Gathering and the things we love about it. So we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.